Welcome back, folks, to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. Today's a special show for me today. My dad, after 150 episodes or so, decided to be a guest on the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. So we had a real special time today. It was special for me. I hope you enjoy it. But before we go to that interview, Greg, we got to talk about another family business, which is Satco. They do the light thing. They do the right thing. You got to go to satco.com, baby. Satco.com, Satco, Greg. And check out their recessed cans. We've talked about it before, but man, they got the they got the ticket. They have a white or silver reflector on it. It's five color temperature settings, three wattage settings, all on the same can. All the sizes you need: four, six, eight, ten. Um, and it's got a remote mounted driver, which is nice too. Because sometimes they smash all that onto one can. This makes it narrower profile where you can put the driver off to the side and float it wherever you need to. And it has a nice strong clips. So that thing will fit right in there and stay right in there. So Satco is a ticket on that, man. Go to satco.com, baby. Satco.com, a real family business. Good people there. Check them out. Of course, the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors, our annual general meeting. Well, probably just happened by now, Greg. Already, already, by the time this comes, it's probably so. already happened. Yeah. So we'll know who won the election and all that sort of stuff. But for right now, you have my dad, Brian Colligan, on the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. Welcome to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast, Dad. Hey, nice to be here. Say hi to Greg Eric. Hello, Greg Eric. How are you? Good, Brian. It's like you knew what he was going to say. I did? Oh. <laughs> hi to you. Now, this one is going to be a, a fun one, I think. And I don't know what that host over there thinks he's going to do about it. But this is your guys' story. This is about Atlas Lighting. Yes. Mike, you're involved in that. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. I spent, okay. <laughs> uh, 20 years working for, with my dad, working for my dad, working with my dad. Um, you know, what's interesting, have you ever listened to the podcast? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. My dad doesn't listen to my podcasts either. Oh, uh, no, not really. No. <laughs> okay. Why is that? Because you hear enough of Mike during the day or what? We spend a lot of time together. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. You got it. We spend a lot of time together. So arguing back and forth, that's uh, the human condition. There and, you go. Uh, so um, uh, although I may not have here heard the podcasts, uh, I have heard them back and forth between the two of us. Yeah, for Discussing sure. various, various things over the years. Yes. How much has the lighting industry changed in the last 40 years, Dad? The lighting industry is turned upside down and backwards. It's like um, the 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 lighting industry is representative of the new the new way of of life in our society. It's just a microcosm of how society has changed. I'll give you, for instance, that probably a lot of people maybe you can relate uh, young people will not relate to this they okay. won't relate to it give them a chance you but you have when i grew up as a boy in belleville ontario which was a small town mm -hmm. of about twenty-five thousand people we had milk delivered by horse and buggy to our to our house the horse came up the street with the milk wagon and he had cheese and various other things in it it's not that we didn't have cars yeah. we had cars but horses were at the end. The after this is the end of the age of horses. Okay, though okay. so they and still to this day they have the horse and buggy there in Belleville uh, with the dairy. Okay, uh, 
and it, it's like a castle they made, and they sell ice cream to everybody, and people come from every way because they sell ice cream cones for a dollar. And that's the no. dairy. That, what, so that horse, and they have the model of the horse and the buggy outside. Okay. This is the horse and buggy that came up the street, and the horse knew all the stops. And the Can horse, I ask a question about yes. this milk real quick? Is it in a bag? No. They were in bottles. Oh. <laughs> I thought I was in Canada and everything was in a bag, but no, this one was a bottle. they were in bottles. In bottles. <laughs> All right. So if if we if we start there, okay. as the microcosm, as a, as a as a, the, the sample of change, and now we go to today, and you see we've gone from there to um, a technological world that changes totally. Is an amazing difference in what's happened. Everything was personal back then. Everything was personal. You met people, life was personal. And now life is personal in life today is did you answer my email? Mm -hmm. Did you get my cell phone message? There were no cell phones. Okay. There was no email. If you wanted to talk to people, you sent them a letter. Now, now, just to give another example up the steps, going up from the horse, delivering the milk. <laughs> then the, to do accounting was all by hand. All accounting was done by hand. So you'd have a, a, a tape machine, a, 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 an adding machine with a tape. You have to have a tape on it, and you'd pull out long lists to do. I don't know if you have, uh, they don't have provincial sales tax. They have state sales tax, I guess. Do you have, yes. G, you, do you have GST? No, you don't have GST. That's, no, we have uh, sales tax. Yeah. You have a sales tax. Oh, okay. So if you do your sales tax at the end of the month, you'd have this long, you'd add up it all by hand, and you'd add it all up, and then you'd get somebody to tick it off each entry by hand to to pay the government at the end of the month. You do that. And then your GST and all the rest of it. Everything goes by hand. Your accountant came in and uh, spreadsheets to do your taxes. I thought, my God, we do more work paying the federal government than we do to run the business. <laughs> You well, you understand it was like a crisis at the end of the at the end of the year back then to get your taxes filed. Well, that part hasn't changed. I don't think. Well, it's it's a lot but easier. It's, it's a easier, lot. But you still have to. It's do it. way easier. So, what is yeah. the change? I'm still answering the question. Sure. What is the change? Okay, I'll give you another example for those of you out there listening who don't understand where the world has come from. The first guy came to me. I said, I had enough of this. I have to have a computer. I've seen a, <laughs> the Commodore 64s have now come out, right? Commodore 64 people. Are, what? So, so the anyway, I said, yeah, I, we have to have an accounting system. Okay, uh, uh, to, to uh, with a computer. So he said, well, it starts at five grand. Now that was a lot of money back then. That's forty years ago. Anyway, I went for it, and we got Titan. That's how we got Titan. No, no, that was after that. Oh, that was after that. Okay, I don't remember exactly, but he came in and did it, and then they had him write program. He wrote programs for us to do the commissions. For the salesman. For the salesman, so that I didn't have to do it by hand every week to pay the guys for Friday morning. We did the commissions by hand. Everything was written. <laughs> well, finally, the computer did the, all the, he wrote that. 
And then uh, we still use that program. We still use that program to pay the commissions. I whatever I did with the guy, it still works beautifully. So <laughs> they still run it. We we still run it. Okay, it works just nice. and they all, and it still runs. It still runs beautifully. The um, uh, what else was I going to say? I got interrupted there. Um, so business processes have gotten easier. Business processes have got gotten way easier. Personal life has changed. Uh, and that affects distributors because it's not per personal now is never touch, never meet the person. People say, nice to meet you after they send an email. Nice to meet me. They didn't meet me. They sent me an email. <laughs> uh, uh, so what's the change? It's huge. The change is dramatic and huge. and and. Um, I don't know where I can go from there on with this argument. We're gonna we're gonna turn it over to Greg because I think yeah. he's got he's got to okay. pop a couple of questions. But just okay. to just to summarize that, it's interesting that you talked about a vast amount of change without even addressing any of the technological technological changes in, in the lighting industry. Oh, they're huge. But go ahead, Greg. Well, let's back it up a little. What year did you start Atlas Lighting, Brian? Uh, I was uh, a travel a, tra a salesman for an American company, American Brands. Which is a large multinational corporation, and they came. To, they hired me, and I trained salesmen uh, in lighting across Canada, from uh, Newfoundland to uh, Vancouver Island. So that's the whole swath of Canada. And so I would uh, leave on on a Sunday night. If I was going to British Columbia, I would take the special, and I'd land there and I'd train a salesman for two days. And then um, uh, a new salesman for two days, and then I'd get on a plane, go to a next the next uh, stop, and come back on Friday. Or no, I take yeah the red eye special. Take the red eye special back to Toronto. It's a long way from Vancouver to Toronto if you're not familiar with our uh, with our dis uh, distances in Canada. So I for I did that for two or three years, training salesmen about lighting, um, and. Um, then I decided that this is that I wanted to go on my own. Is so, that what happened? Yes. Well, it's a longer story. That's what we're here for. That's a, that, that's the the company I meant. Did I mention the company's name? Then I better not talk about it. Sure. Just say. Just tell the story. Well, there's this. They weren't ethical. Yeah. And they're treating. Are they still around? That I don't know. Okay, okay. I don't want. Uh, yeah. I don't know. So they're a multinational corporation. So they may they may be around, but in their local office in Toronto, it wasn't being run ethically, and I didn't like it. And I didn't like cheating people, and I felt that we were. And I didn't like um, the way the salesmen were treated, and I didn't like the way I was treated, and so I decided without any accounting experience in business, without any business experience at all, to go on my own. What kind of things were they doing that you didn't like? Did anything specific or just uh, They were cheating people on their commissions. Hmm. They were making it very difficult then for the salesman to argue and get their money, and I didn't like that. If you make a mistake, it's one thing to make a mistake. It's another thing to make it very difficult for the person to fix it. 
and to block it. And there's all kinds of ways of blocking people, make it frustrated, which I didn't like, right? Mm -hmm. So that I didn't, I didn't like. And um, also using, using salesmen and... Uh, Just pull the mic back up over your mouth. You had to sell, when you're training a salesman back then, you had to sell three brand new accounts every day. Brand new accounts, minimum three orders, brand new orders every day. In the field, cold call, knock on the door. That's what I did. I went around from door to door, from Vancouver to Newfoundland, knocking on businesses and asking for an order. And I got three uh, per day. a minimum of three per day. That was your minimum you had to get. The most I ever got, actually, I met a, uh, there was a fellow, I, I can't, he's, anyway, he, he, he was on the, we were on the way to Vancouver and he said, um, uh, I'm the top salesman. I said, you're the top salesman. He said, uh, yeah, so I'm the top salesman. And he said, uh, uh, he says, I'll tell you what I'll do. He said, um, I'll pay for the bar bill. Whoever gets the most orders, the other guy pays the bar bill on the way back on Air Chicken, <laughs> which is we call Air Canada Air Chicken. And the reason we call it Air Chicken is because they serve rock Cornish hen. At least that was the, the meal on the plane. Do you want rock Cornish hen? So we eventually, people who flew a lot like me, I flew more than pilots. We called it Air Chicken because of rock Cornish hen. So anyway, so his his name was Bill, and I, I won't say his last name. He, he God love him, he's dead now. So we have a contest. The the war is on now. Okay, the war is on for this week. So we get back on the plane on Friday after Monday. He went wherever he went, and I went wherever I went. And uh, he said, "Well, I said I got thirty three orders this week." He said, you got 33 orders, brand new accounts. He's nobody has ever gotten 33 orders. I said, I just did. <laughs> he says, show me. I says, get out your credit card bill. <laughs> got me? So you beat him. Oh, I beat took him. Took him down. I, took, yeah. I, wa I was the best salesman. Okay, I didn't like it when he said he was. I didn't. I didn't just dis dispute with him, but he wasn't. <laughs> so you Got took me? him down. You won the sales contest, and yes. then the the ethical part of it made you decide let's roll, do it on yeah, our own. So let's let's start. Let's start. But I'm very grateful to that company who hired me and gave me a chance. Okay. So who yeah. am I to judge? Who am I to be the big judge of the world? Mm. Right. So uh, they they hired you, didn't they, Brian? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they did, and they paid me very well, by the way. And they always wanted me to be on, because I sold so many orders, they wanted me, what they really wanted was to have my accounts. Mm -hmm. The first order they didn't care about. They shipped it and did all that. It was the second order that they wanted and the third order and the fourth order. At least three orders. That's where the money was. <clears throat> and after a while, you get to realize that. Third order, fourth order, fifth order is where the money really is. And that's how valuable, by the way, distributors, if you're out there, how valuable a single account is. If you think I'm wrong, you're missing the point. Every account is so valuable. Why? Because if you treat them right, you will. I'm talking about businesses now. If you treat those businesses right and you do it three times, 
they're yours. That's like a, a, a receipt. Every few months, you're going to get a check if you, from that company. They'll treat, and they trust you. Trust is built up, and they just eventually, no, I was just taking an order this morning. They just said, send me three cases. They didn't even ask the price. Because the, why? Why? Because trust they, they trust me. And am I, am I trustworthy? Yeah, I am. Mm-hmm. So, th- that, so how valuable is one account? Mm. Well, if you still got it in five years, which we have many accounts from many more than five years, that account becomes very, very valuable. Mm. And that's something that distributors sh- should know and should keep. Accounts are very, very valuable. Um, so they should be treated with gold. You're right about that. So what, that, what year did you, you did you start at, Lesson? Well, so it would be three years. So 1977, I think I started before that. I didn't incorporate until 1977. What year so, was Mike born? I don't know. What were you born? <laughs> 1977. I have 12 grandkids. 77. And, four, and so I, I don't... Uh, I can't remember. I forgot my wife's birthday this month. That was terrible. But uh, the the I just don't. Uh, it's okay. I took her out for lunch and bought. Yeah, her Mike took her out for lunch and brought her flowers. I came home and I forgot it was her birthday. So after the twelve, my, my grandkids were over last night. They're all talking about going to university and all Liberty University in the states. Maybe you've heard of it. So I'm yeah. changing the subject. Sorry, but that's fine. So 1977, you started Atlas. Yeah. Were you on your own? No. So uh, I didn't go on my own, although I wanted to be on my own. I like being on my own. Uh, but the people that I trained um, wanted to be with me. I had, th- that's another factor in life. If you're trustworthy, if you do what you say you're going to do, people will follow you. Do you know that? Especially when it comes to money, they'll say, okay, where's the beef? And there's your... There's your check. It's ready on Friday. Got me? Yeah. I've known this guy for three years. He and one guy's been with me for 40 years. He's never missed a paycheck. Got me? I would say 41 years. 41 years. Okay. They never missed a paycheck. So there was four of them. Actually, I think I had six altogether. Six salesmen. And... um, so they came to me and said, we want to work for you. I said, okay. He said, we know how you treated us when you were with the multinational corporation. You were always honest, and you always told us the truth. I said, yeah, I did. And so they came and worked for me, and they were salesmen that I had trained or partially trained. So they came with me, and so my company just started just like that. And uh um, we um, found suppliers that would supply us. I had trouble because I had very little capital. So I had to go around, write the invoices, and collect the money as fast as I could in order to pay the suppliers. So I found that very difficult. And as your business increases, you have to have more and more cash to keep up with the, with the flow. So you have to, and eventually it catches up to each other. Now you have some cash. It starts going the other way. But it took quite a while to get to that point. And plus, so, I didn't have any accounting experience at all, so that was a nightmare. But anyway, yes. Uh, Mike talks about it a lot, but you guys actually had your business out of your house. I worked. I started the business out of the house. Yep, that's where we started. I I didn't have any capital to. Uh, I made a mistake there. People will say you'll hear them comment, and they're right. They say your ship came in. 
You ever heard that comment? I have not. You, you, your ship has arrived at port. Mm. Now, are you going to get on or not? Got me? That's what they mean. Yeah. Your ship has arrived. Not yours, not yours, mine. Your ship is there. Are you going to take the chance or aren't you? Right? Mm -hmm. So that's what, what they say. And, and they're right on that. Sometimes you have to take a chance and it's risky. You have to limit your risks, especially, but business is extremely risky and most people should not be involved in business, getting in business, yeah. because they will lose their shirt. In fact, I just have uh, one of my uh, uh, um, acquaintances' son. He is a, a business administration graduate, uh, and he just lost $100,000 starting up a, a business. He had to close. Now, of course, he was hit by COVID-19, and he's hit by... Mm -hmm by uh, all the down, the, 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 the problems involved with that. But he was in trouble before COVID-19. Sure. Because we, we had talked about it. So he wasn't going to make it COVID-19 or no COVID-19. And, right. uh, and whether it's the United States or Canada, business is a cruel teacher. Most so when fail. did you, Most yeah, fail. When did you get, out, get out of your house and, and start get into a business? I can't building. remember the date. But uh, uh, I think Years? that was 2000. 2000, yeah. Yep. Okay. And uh, we, we moved. See, that's when I was talking about the ship at the dock. And I didn't get on. But I had my chance. And that was a big mistake I made. A real estate agent came to me one day. I'm working out of the house. And he said, uh, I've got this beautiful unit for $35,000 Canadian. This is a business unit. Got me? Yeah. This was during one of the recessions. That's another thing you have to go through. Recessions. There's minor recessions, and but we've had some doozies. So I went to see it. I said, this is great. I could have had this unit for 35 grand. All the real estate prices had collapsed in Toronto. It was like, and I, that was my ship that came in, and I didn't get on. That was a risk I should have taken. But I didn't. And that's something that people should put in their mind if they're ever listening to me. Has your ship arrived at dock? And if it does, are you going to get on or not? Are you going to get on the boat or not? Yeah. Okay. So, and that's a question that we're all faced with in many situations in life, not just in business. But it's, a, is this my ship and should I get on? And, yeah. uh, uh, okay, so that's that. Now, yeah, now, now growing up, Mike was your son. Yeah. Did you groom him to be in lighting? Did you think he was going to work okay. with you someday? I'm going to try to explain something else to you that's very important. Yeah. Starting a business, this is a very important to me, is not an economic, simply an economic activity. It's not. It's way more than that. I talked about being personal before. It is 100% personal. Somebody has to start it. Somebody has to take the risk. Somebody has to risk all their money. Usually it's their house. Or, have, or, or creditors have access to your house or everything you own to start that business. They do. 
And you're seeing the reward at the end. So uh, this becomes um, personal. And um, when you start to build something and you spend your whole life doing it, you're married to one woman, you have four kids and 12 grandkids, this is your story, man. This is your life. You probably, people won't, after you die, people won't remember you for probably more than three weeks. But, but, you're, but they'll know about your grandkids. They'll know about your children. They will. Now, you say, well, what has that got to do with anything? That's your heritage. So you build a business and you say, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to sell it to Tommy Tucker because he just offered me a million dollars. Cash money. Really? Your 40 years of life is worth a million dollars? Say goodbye. It's a tough choice for a lot of people to sell. It really is. I mean, it, and, it's and, tough. And, and they've so, been in it for so long, it's very difficult. So you, this yeah. is like selling, this is like, this is your whole life story there. Mm. Uh, no, it's not the whole of it, but it's half of it anyway of your life, of your life. Oh, you've got emotions, you've got uh, risks involved, all sorts of things involved in, in that story. So what am I trying to get at here? Here's what I'm trying to get at. What you do with your business is very important because big businesses come from, you say, well, what about those businesses in Europe and all that, or those big giant companies in, in the United States and Canada? Where do they come from? They started with a little business. Look at Bombardier. Bombardier makes the planes. They started out making little stupid snow vehicles. <laughs> the guy. Yeah. He, you think, you'd laugh, but you look and you see the guy in, in Quebec making this little... All of a sudden, the business grows. He works for 40 years. He's selling snowmobiles. Now it's planes, and, and they, they do railroads, and oh, I don't know what the heck they do. Okay, I'm not saying that's what we're going to do, but <laughs> here, it's so, But it, it may sound funny, but it's very important because what you do with your business is who is going to run that business when you leave, and what do you want to do with it? Like, for instance, do you want to carry on your tradition? Wouldn't it be nice if your son took it over for you and continued to run that? How you change ownership in a business is the ship coming in. It's the, uh, it's the, it's the most important thing you can do, how you transition your business and how it goes to the next generation, what you pass on to the next generation. That's my view. Not just your business, in life, in all the things you believe in, in what's important in your life, you pass it on to your children. So how did you, did you always know Mike was going to be involved in the business? Did he have that, I didn't know, I didn't, I didn't know which, which child I wanted, but I wanted my business to go on. I didn't want, mm -hmm. people offered me money many times for my business, and I didn't take it because I didn't, I I wanted the business to go on. I wanted it to be uh, greater than when I started. I wanted it to be better. And it has. It's, it, it's grown into many businesses. Mm. And that's what I want because I want that for my son and for my grandchildren. Mike's problem now is since I've over 
since I've accomplished what I wanted. But I think, I don't take any credit for it. I think it's the grace of God. Mm -hmm. I didn't tell you that, but I give God credit, not oh. me. I give God credit for, I love Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Me too. He's my savior. So I make that perfectly clear. And um, he's allowed me or permitted me to go this far. So what did, how did you, um, when you were thinking about succession, was it easy? No, because I said, I didn't make it easy for you? N no. <laughs> no. I, right was, I, was, I, I was worried, when will the person be ready? When do you decide that the person is ready? And then the normal rebellion that people have, that children have towards their parents, which is normal to a, to a degree. They eventually hear enough of your talk and they finally say, enough already, I want to go, go and do it myself. And which parents have to let them do that. But So there you are caught. You don't want your business to be sold. You want to pass it on. When's the point? When's the point? When's the perfect point? So the person has to be trained. They have to show interest. They have to be create new ideas and get involved. Now they, it doesn't always have to be exactly that way. I'm talking to the way it happened with us. There are many different ways. Mike's problem now is, since I've accomplished that task, he has to decide what he wants. Is cash enough to solve your dilemma of what will happen to the business? Will cash fill your need, for instance, so you can spend three weeks in Florida in the sun or whatever it is you want? I don't think so. <laughs> I, 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 sand is sand. We have sand here in, in, in Ontario. If you go, you see mile, miles and miles of beaches up here. There's all kinds of sand. Actually, it's just as nice as Florida sand, really. It's... Yeah. Uh, it's uh, not much different except the long winter. That's not enough. So what is enough? And when you decide and what you want to do, you have to see what God wants you to do with the business. Mm. I mean, you could grow the businesses into uh, much bigger. Mm. And I imagine you have to deal with us too, Greg. This is a very important question. What you do, with yeah. will cash be yeah. your deal? Is that your deal? I think I think Americans are much, it's much more common in America to sell businesses than in Canada. There's a lot more business sale activity in the United States than there is in Canada. There's more wheelie dealing going on. There's a lot more sure. acquisitions. There's a lot more, I would like to get my business into this state and I would like to take over that business as a way of doing that. In Canada, Canada is very huge, and so it's a small economy by comparison, and so it's not as the businesses sell all the time. Don't get me the wrong way, but it's not a, it's not as common. So Americans are probably more used to it. But you know, it is your life's work, and there's a calling there, and and um, to what we're doing, we take it very seriously. There's more to be said on this, and here's what it is: there's so much to a business in a family. Talking to all the people out there who are listening. There's much more to a business than people realize. It's called, the Americans call it freedom. 
Mm. The quest for happiness, the right to be happy. Mm. Well, business gives you that. Like, for instance, you can be your own man. What is your? What does that mean, be your own man? Well, you get to make your own. That's one of the greatest things with having a business. You actually are responsible. And you get to make your own decisions. And you get to lose your own money. Lose your own money? Yeah. If you make a mistake, you're gonna, it's going to cost you, buddy. You get to lose, but you're in charge. You can set your, you say you set your hours. What it really means is you work longer hours. Mm, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes a lot of hours. Why? Because you like it. Mm. You like doing it. Right? Mm -hmm. So there's much more to it than money or all the other things. It's a, it's a way of life. Now, how do you show your family? For instance, kids learn by modeling. Mm. They model what their parents do. My dad goes to work. I see him, and he goes to work, and he runs this business, and there's all kinds of people there. He talks to all kinds of people, and he's different from Charlie's dad. Charlie's dad drives a bus. It's not bad. There's nothing wrong with driving a bus. There is nothing wrong with driving a bus. I think the best job to have in Canada is a postman. Okay. But go back to what you were saying. I just want to be clear that there's nothing wrong with no, driving a bus. Uh, that I think uh, uh, postmen, postmen in Canada make with overtime. I yeah, think. But, but, uh, let's uh, go back to the point. Yeah. You don't have to go on down those. Okay. All these different routes. I'm not being a postman's good too. Yeah, I'm not postman. Uh, uh, we love you. Okay. There. So this is an amazing thing that you're passing on to your children. You're showing them. You're modeling how a father earns his money. To pay for his family. And that is the responsibility of a man. Mm -hmm. The responsibility of a man is when he gets his wife, he provides for his family and takes care of his wife. If he doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. Got me? That, Starve him. No, but you don't. That is the correct way. And if you can show your sons and daughters that you can make it on your own, you can start a business. You can make a life. You don't have to work for uh, uh, the government or the whatever. You can, not that there's anything wrong with working for somebody, but you can do it on your own. And here's how. Now, th this is a model I'm showing you. They're watching every move you make, your kids. They are. And they, they will follow and they'll see. Is it a said faith or a real faith? Is this guy real or is he just a big talker? Got me? Are you, are you still active in everyday business there? Yes. I only want to do uh, the best one it. thing. I don't want to be involved with the government. I don't want to be involved with the employees as far as hiring and firing goals. Uh, I only want to be on the order desk. That's <sighs> it. I want to be on the order desk, and I want to deal with the customers. I love dealing back with the customers. Back to where you started. Uh, yes. Back to where back, you started. Back to where yeah. I started. I want to deal with the customers. I want to take the orders. I want to make sure the orders are correct, which is another thing for distributors that they should know. And here's what it is. Why would he want to be on the order desk? Because it's all about sales. 
It is. It's all about sales. It's about getting the sale when a person calls in, treating them with respect, and getting all, taking an order properly, getting their name spelled correctly, getting the postal codes or the zip code, whatever, uh, everything correct. And then the most important part comes. What is the product that that person needs? Which product? Get the right product. Identify it and get that product out to the customer at the right price. And that's what the order desk does. Otherwise, you're going to lose. If you don't have a proper order desk, you're, you're losing lots of orders. I'll guarantee you that. And one other thing, get paid too. Make sure you get paid at the order desk. What do you mean? Get the credit card, get the thing, make all the things necessary, the email, the address. Make sure all those things are done correctly. Get the right bulb to the product, or to the customer, and now your company starts to do well. So, distributors, make sure your order desk people know what they're doing. Now, if they don't know what they're doing, and you know they don't, there's a course available. It's called LS1. It's from Nailed. <laughs> Okay, and it's a, uh, there it is. On the side. It's LS, you say, oh, 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 wait a second, wait a second. That's a starting point. That's a starting point. And they should take that course from Nailed, a good entry into lighting. Lighting is not easy. It's not, a, it's not an easy. There's just so much, so much. Now, the other point is this on the order desk. There's the traditional lights. Now, and then there's the LEDs. What do you do about traditional lighting? And what do you do about LEDs? This is the big thing. So, there's a lot of traditional lighting still in North America and Canada. I don't know what the percent. I know LEDs have made huge inroads. I don't know what it is in, in the United States. I would imagine that probably 20 or 30% of the bulbs used in the United States are now LEDs. In Canada, for sure. In Ontario, it's probably higher. It's probably 50% in Ontario. Ontario, yeah. it's really high now, LEDs, because the government went all in on this. Mm -hmm. The government went all in here on the, on the LEDs, so it's higher. But there's still a lot of traditional lighting out there. I don't know what your experience is, Greg, but there's still... Yeah, I'd say 30%, there, yeah. Would you say 30%? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. the order desk has to be familiar with both. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you get that? That's another thing distributors should know is not only um, not only traditional lighting and LED lighting, but where do you get the traditional lighting from? And what's you have to get the traditional lighting at a very low cost. Did you hear me? It's not. You have to get that. The old style stuff is available at a low cost if you shop white, if you shop right. It's you can some of these LU LUs and MHs you can get for a dollar, a dollar stuff that was because they just want to get rid of their excess stock. They can't, but you have to be wise. You have to look. You have to be available, and you have to be willing to. When your ship comes in, you have to get on. Say, okay, we need how many MH four hundreds can we have at a dollar, right? But how much traditional stock? And that's the other problem that we're, we're that we have right now is. Warehousing, where are you going to put all this traditional stock that you bought for a dollar or 50 cents or 25 cents? Where do you stock it? And how, how long can we keep it and is there value in it? 
That's a, which leads to another question. When you have old stock, when in the old days when I worked out of my house, uh, once a year, I would just take the bulbs. I got so I used to rent garages around the neighborhood. I had four garages, people's houses. I would use as my warehouses, and I paid them a hundred or a hundred and fifty a month. And I would go to their garage and store all my products. So I have products all over the place in people's garages. That was my warehouse. I said, this is beautiful. <laughs> okay, so that, I don't need to pay all this thing and I, I can do this. But since I didn't have, co finally, I I got so many light bulbs, I didn't know what the heck. So I just tucked them and put them out on the garbage day and said, they're all brand new. I just took them out to the garbage, and the, the garbage guy came into the house, came in, knocked on the door. He says, "All these lights are new." He says, "Are you sure you're going to put them in the garbage?" Yeah, I said, "I got no more room for them anymore, and I don't want to count them, and I don't want to see them anymore." <laughs> so there's, there comes a, there there comes a point of no return. There comes a point of no return when, if it hasn't sold by now, it probably won't. And so that's another issue on the order desk. So what do I do? I'm on the order desk. I think it's the most important job in the company. Everything else has a negative aspect to it. The order desk is all positive. That's where your money is, buddy. Distributors, yeah. your money is in the order desk. That's cash. I earn my living going door to door, knocking on doors. Every account that your calls in, it could be worth thousands of dollars to you. That guy who only wants one light bulb or whatever called uh, called up the other day, then I find out, who is he? He's uh, the, the guy that wanted the one light bulb that I took the order for yesterday, one or two light bulbs. Turns out he's the purchasing agent for the a big pharma company. Bar but you understand? Yeah. A big pharma company. Oh, he says, here's your, here's your, th a big pharma company. Oh, and then he, after I took the two bulbs, he gave him the order. He had the best right. He called me back and he says, oh, by the way, do you have these ballasts? Thanks for treating me well. Do you have these ballasts? Got me. Do you understand? <laughs> All of a sudden, the $5, $10 profit can turn into a potential of 1000 Just by treating somebody with respect. And by giving them a good price, answering their email in a timely fashion. Doesn't always have to be the lowest price, by the way, either. It doesn't have to, you don't have to always be the lowest price. That's a mistake. You have to have the stuff available, answer the email in a timely fashion, treat the customers correctly, and they will buy from you. If they buy three times from you, they're yours. Dad, that was awesome. It was. Do you have any more comments for the nail distributors out there, Pops? Final for the five. nail distributors out there, it's the most important thing you're in right now. This is the biggest upheaval in industry in the history of uh, your life. Yes. This time right now. It is the most with this LED business. Now, I'm not convinced that these LEDs are going to last the way they say. In fact, I have people coming in and say, are these really going to live? So that's an issue. And I think we all know that. Mm -hmm. There's other bulbs out there, these which I wouldn't sell back in the day. And the reason I wouldn't sell them, they were tanning bulbs. 
And they said, well, you got to get into the tanning bulb business, Brian, because this is, uh, th this is where you can make big money. Big money. Tanning bulbs. They lay in the tube. They lay, the, the girls lay in the thing, and they get nice and tanned in there. I said, holy crap. So the, the, uh, so you know what I did? I called the zoo. The Toronto Zoo. It's one of the big zoos in the world. They're, they're, they're big zoos. Hmm? I asked him about the, uh, the what they do with the animals. He says, well, we use these bulbs, these infrared bulbs, to cure their skin diseases and all that. I said, yeah. I says, well, is this, uh, are these things healthy? He says, no. He says, sometimes they're very dangerous. You have to be careful with these bulbs. You have to wear eye cover. And you have to be make sure it's right. And you can overdo it. Just like in an overdue laying in the sun, you can you can hurt yourself with these. I never sold those tanning bulbs. I stayed away. And a big lawsuit developed. I saw it in the States and the thing. over. I said, thank God we didn't get into that. So these new bulbs that are out right now, these new um, cleansing bulbs, sterilization, they're going to sterilize the world, right? You don't have to move. They'll just, just sit there. The whole thing is going to be clean. I see the wife going, I said, please don't do that anymore. She gets the liquids and wipes everything down. I mean, the, uh, the, your house is germ-free. Got me? You got Lysol coming out your ears. <laughs> you got and you, 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 you got what I'm trying to say? Yeah. You know, there's too much is too much. Right. And so the uh, be careful with those bulbs and make sure... You investigate property before you get into any bulbs that harm people. We're not in the business of harming people, right, with our lighting. So be very, be very careful with that stuff. Down the road, you see all the, oh, the lawsuits. Yeah. So be very careful with that, distributors. Be very careful with that. Dad, thank you for being a guest on the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. Oh. You're welcome. Thank you. Nice to Thanks, Brian. see you. Okay, great. Satco.com. That's S-A-T-C-O.com, baby. We do the light thing. We do the right thing. One family business and one family business coming at another family business, Greg. Yeah. So they're commercial, recessed commercial down lights, all the sizes you need. They have a silver and white reflector version. Sometimes people want to change that up. It's also recessed up far enough. A lot of times people are smashing that light you need at the that. level right below. Get that recess. Get it up there. Damp location as well. There you go. So you can put that on the soffit of the exterior and it's got a, you can color change it. How many times you put in cans and sometimes people say, ah, it's too white. This is fine. You don't, it doesn't matter. You can switch the Kelvin right on the can. Beautiful. Great product from Satco. And, and Greg. You know, yeah. I threw up the family thing and you just went right to the product. What's the matter with you, man? I thought we've been doing this for so long now. You can't even take the cue, eh? Well, no, I, I went with an end. And, you know, <laughs> we, we, we talked today to your dad, which was unique. That was the least amount you've probably ever talked on a podcast. I'm sure our producer Scott here can actually time it and see that you maybe said the least you've ever said, which, which was interesting probably for the listeners a little bit. It and uh, But, yeah, yeah, and you could hear – Hear it in your family too. How much history and legacy you guys have as a lighting company, and Satco in turn is very similar. We've 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 had For them sure. on. We, we did that starfish episode. For sure. Where we talked about their origin, where they came from. 
And it just shows you that lighting business is often our family and mm-hmm. you guys are strong family business. For sure. So go to satco.com at satco.com. And of course, the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors. That's naild.org. And thanks to my dad, Brian Colligan, the guy who started all of this stuff up here. Um, you know, I would say that my the gift my dad gave me in this sense, in this regard, is the the... Uh, ability to be an entrepreneur. And I think what he was saying and, and what it's an adventure. It's not, he said, it's not for everybody, but if, if you feel that thing, if you want to get on that ship, when it comes in, man, there's no better ride. I think than an entrepreneur, there's just so much fun for me personally. Maybe it's not for you. And if it's not for you, that's, there's nothing wrong with that, but it certainly has been uh, empowering and I've enjoyed it like crazy. So if you made it this far with us, Hey, from my heart, thanks for listening. I know I'm speaking on behalf of Greg as well. There's a sign there for all You are lost, Lord is there to find you